Hello and welcome to IT Bytes, IT Services official podcast. I'm your host, Nalat Hurley, and I'm joined today by my friend and colleague, Deirdre Keane. Hello. And today we'll be speaking to Barry Foley, our IT security officer. Hello. So Barry has been IT security officer for about four years and has worked in UCC for 20 years. And we're just going to be talking about, I suppose, the IT security landscape and the, I suppose, the day-to-day um, kind of work that you'd be doing. And I suppose just kind of, is there any kind of weird milestones or interesting milestones that you've had um, while working in UCC and particularly as IT security officer? The big milestones uh, since I've started as a security officer have all uh, come as a result of uh, major events that have happened, some internally here for ourselves and uh, and then other ones that are kind of we know about at a national scale. Um, we had a cyber event in uh, 2019 uh, that really kind of led to a big drive in uh, MFA adoption, so that's multi-factor authentication. As most people know, uh, for a lot of their accounts, they receive either a text message or an app where they need to enter in a number as well as their password. And it was a dramatic step change in how we secure our accounts. Um, that, uh, that arose and really did, there was an impetus put on it when there, uh, uh, there was one particular uh, event, a data breach uh, um, uh, in 2019. And in addressing that, uh, we realized that you know MFA was something that we needed to adopt and we needed to adopt uh, quicker. And um, uh, we rolled that out in a fairly aggressive time frame to 4,500 staff. And uh, uh, we had it completed in uh, in about four months. So, and then that was a significant change uh, for all staff in the university, mm-hmm. uh, but it did leave us in uh, a much stronger position. And I, I think there's a little bit, there's an element of luck then that at the beginning of the global pandemic of the uh, COVID-19 uh, pandemic that we, uh, we were in a really strong position to work from home and have secure uh, accounts uh, because uh, uh, because we had taken uh, uh, that step. We, we did not know the COVID pa- pandemic was coming. So, you know, uh, like we you say, not. it was luck that MFA mm. was rolled out so quickly. And... Um, just on that rollout as well, you know, did you have any kind of, you know, complications or pushback from people kind of going, why are you doing this MFA thing? Why do we need it? You know, was there any resistance or? There was, Deirdre, yeah. Mm. So um, while it wasn't significant, it definitely, yeah. you know, it was there. Uh, we also found out that, uh, you know, a certain amount of people in the university do not own mobile phones so yeah. you know that was a that was a a, a challenge uh, um, and something that we had to address uh, there were there was also a you know a, people asking why do I have to do it sort of as being just an extra bit of difficulty in their day-to-day working mm-hmm. life and and that I think is yeah. like you know it a does, legitimate concern like it does introduce an element of friction it does slow down certain operations but the way I've started thinking about it is like if you're lucky enough to have a house, you have a front door with a door key and then you might have an alarm. If you have a car, you have a lock, but you might have an immobilizer. So when something is important and it contains important things, you take steps to make sure it's as safe as possible. That's So we need to have that element of security, that extra step to keep them that bit safer because, you know, it's access to your bank account. It's access mm. to you know, a huge amount of your online self, your bills, and those can be used to impersonate people and things like that. So it's like, yes, it takes an extra 10 seconds to log in. But what do those 10 seconds give you back? 
in like reassurance and security. So yeah. like for me, I do, there are times, you know, the say the Google Authenticator app that I use for non-work things, the little little egg timer that times yeah. out, it's always down to like two seconds. And I'm like, oh, I have to wait. Because yeah. I know I'm not going to get it typed in in time, but it's worth it. Yeah, you remind yourself of why am I doing this? It's not just an annoying little thing I have to do. It's mm. important um, because there is such value and importance in minding your own data and information and the university's information as well. Absolutely. So, yeah, and I think we've kind of just become used to it now. It's just a thing we do. Whereas I suppose back mm -hmm. in 2019, it was like, oh, this is another new thing. It's a change. But now You're we right. really understand, yeah. gosh, that's so important. And I think as well, another element that made it easier for us is there was widespread adoption of it with our bank accounts and mm. with uh, other accounts. So uh, it was people were more used to it as a, as a concept. Um, mm. uh, it, it, it's something we were planning to implement anyway, uh, it, like as part of uh, the GDPR um, uh, regulations that were uh, brought in in 2018. Uh, there's a statutory obligation to provide, you know, security around the personal data that uh, the university stores and of which we store a significant amount mm. um, and we have a duty of care. And... Uh, we have put robust uh, controls in place mm. yeah, and th that statutory requirement there is what drives, uh, you know, a lot of our improvements and we will continue to have to improve, uh, you know, as the years go by. Yeah, mm. it's, 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 it's a constant. Really it is, is a constant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's one of those things where we'll probably never be finished. Uh, like if we look at, you know, it's a little bit of an arms race there with mm. uh, with uh, with cyber criminals and malicious actors uh, where ev for every improvement we make, you know, there is a, on the other side, on the malicious actor side, mm. there's, you know, there's a, there's another step, a step that they take. And actually just in the past uh, few weeks, we've seen the first uh, attacks uh, in Irish universities that try to get around uh, multi-factor authentication. So we're beginning to see malicious actors using techniques to get around multi-factor authentication. And we're already beginning to change how we actually use multi-factor authentication mm. to defend ourselves against those attacks. Is that the Gosh. update with the the numbers? The number prompt, is that part of that? Or so, was it just lucky that we had that done when this started popping up? It, it, there'll be always an element of luck, uh, uh, but, but it, it's also, it's it's good planning that, mm. uh, you know, we, we look at industry best practice. Uh, we adopt it where we can, where it's practical. Um, uh, and in this case, uh, Microsoft had actually uh, flagged that they were going to turn it on and then they actually reversed that decision. Mm. Um, but we'd already started, you know, comms with yourself, yes. uh, Deirdre. Like, you know, mm. so it, it, it was easy for us to actually just say, no, this is the right thing to do. We've already started, like, you know, our communications. Mm. So we will just, like, uh, progress uh, uh, with it. So that number matching for anyone who uses uh, their mobile phone app to access their university account, they'll notice a little map that comes up now and a number. And that actually does, you know, mm. it defends against uh, MFA fatigue. Uh, even though I, I personally, I myself found it very annoying because I used to use my Apple Watch to just <laughs> click approve. Mm. And I'm not allowed to do that anymore. 
but for good reason. Yeah. It's very easy to yeah, yeah. Keep and, improve. And it all goes back to that reason and understanding it. You know, like it's it's not just because it's for a really, really yeah. important reason. Yeah, it's a little bit like, you know, it's what designers would call a forcing function. That there's something yeah. that you 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 actually have to do. You mm-hmm. have to attend to it. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know. You have to register that number and kind of look yeah. at, your, at your other screen and go, yes, that's the number. I'm typing it in. Whereas with the yes, you don't even have to be aware of your screen at all. Mm. Like you can just... Mm. And you, uh, one of the things, uh, just in case anybody is using that form of MFA and they're like, why does it say I'm in Dublin uh, when I'm clearly in Cork? Mine does that because of my mobile phone network always registers yeah. my phone as in Dublin. Uh, it can be a little bit off-putting if you don't realise that it's happening. Um, I think I noticed it before. My Google account said there was a login from Dublin and I went and I reset my Google password because I had a mad, I'd like, mm. oh, oh gosh, blah, 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 you know, fear because I'm very Google-based in my personal stuff. So... And it was just that my mobile phone device always registers as Dublin. Yeah, and uh, that's a really good point, Nolette, that like, you know, a geographical location is not always perfect, but it should it should be in your country. It should be in Ireland. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but uh, there, there, there was a case there, uh, Microsoft uh, uh, issued an update three weeks ago and uh, a few people in UCC probably know this, that their UCC or their home broadband was coming up as Tajikistan. Uh, mm. So thank you for everyone who contacted us. Who was, okay, uh, fair play. Yeah, but a good few people just clicked approve, uh, yeah. you know, so... Um, uh, Even the, still. Uh, so it, it, it's something we need to continue to work on and, mm. you know, uh, continue educating uh, users on the risks that are out there. But, you know, really the the staff of the university and the students of the university uh, have been have been excellent at actually, you know, coming to us with their concerns. Mm. And actually the, the, they are they're the main defense against um, uh, against cyber attack. We rely on people doing the right thing uh, yeah. all, all the time. And there are things that, you know, our colleagues in, acad- in academia and in services and finance that they've actually flagged things to us where our tools have not picked it, uh, picked up yeah. um, uh, malicious attacks yeah. and they've been correct. So, uh, you know, we're lucky that uh, people have been so attentive to, like, yeah. uh, uh, IT security. And it is so important, but it's great to hear that people know and that they can have somebody to contact because we did speak about it in our introduction episode, no less, just mm. around, you know, if something happens, you know, that's okay. Just let us know. Because we are all human, as we said as well. Things happen and we're busy and we're distracted. And going back to that fatigue thing as well, you know, you can hit a button and then it's hit and you're going to, that isn't me or whatever, that you they, they know the route to go. Um, you're, you're right, Deirdre. Yeah. And I do think that uh, whether it be, you know, a feeling of... Uh, Shame or embarrassment seems mm. to be a really overriding emotion yeah. that it, it, it's it's it can stop us, you know, in in many aspects of our lives from, you know, doing mm. what we know to be the right thing, but really, you know, it can happen to anyone. Mm. Anyone can click on a link. We we know that in you know in widespread tests that uh, in technology companies that you know uh, when they really try to get people to click on links or to fall for mm. phishing emails, 97% of people will fall for it. So mm. you're, you're getting to basically anyone can be yeah. uh, fooled. And those 3% are normally people who are not In charge of... The, they're not reading their email. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or that. Either the ones yeah. who actually instigated the, the test or they don't read their emails. Um, 
out of curiosity, if somebody's account was compromised, because I know sometimes with ransomware, um, like where they're trying to like extort money out of you and they're locking your files, you might get a big entire desktop message kind of blocking it out. Um, but like, what are, are there subtle signs that your account are compromised? Things that people should know to look out for? Or mm. is it usually the big in your face kind of messaging? I think that big in your face message is because ransomware attacks are so prevalent in the media and and rightly mm. so um uh, that you know that is the message that you know we kind of perceive when you know when there's going to be a bad actor in our account that we are going to get that message it's normally confined to that type of attack to a ransomware attack there are far more subtle uh, uh, signs there that we have seen in the past extortion of data out of the university by something as simple as a malicious actor logging into an email account and changing or changing a rule so that it forwards email mm. outside of the organization. We've seen events uh, uh, like that uh, uh, happen in the university. Thankfully, since MFA has been introduced, we, we haven't seen uh, uh, any of those. But uh, malicious actors and cyber criminals, the end goal is to, money is always involved. There may be some kind of state ideological view or uh, uh, that drives it, but really at the end of the day, there's going to be like, you know, a request for money. Mm. It'll be be fraud or extortion. So, uh, and that can be, it can be subtle uh, and it can be directed directly at the individual uh, through an extortion email, or it can be something like just, uh, exfiltrating lots and lots of mm. information out of an organization so that it can be used in, in, yeah. uh, so, in so the future. Potentially, they could be in the background working away without, say, a user or realizing it. That's exactly And then it. they come yeah. forward and kind of go, well, here we are, this is what we have. And then the end goal of it all is money. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And now money might be that lots of data on individuals or uh, that can be sold on on the dark web, that might be, uh, you know, the mm-hmm. money end goal. That so they might never at. go back to the individual and be like, I'll do this if you don't do that. They might actually mm-hmm. just be like, well, I have this lovely list of 2000 email addresses and I'm going to sell that. Exactly. So and there is there's a value associated with uh, identities on the uh, on the dark web. So there's a value for you know, an EU citizen's passport information and their personal information. Mm. And then there's, a, a you know, cost for, a, you know, CEO information or people who build up attack playbooks for uh, for a company and sell that on. And then you get like uh, larger scale cyber actors acting on that mm. information. So these things are sold as, you know, the services uh uh, on the dark web that can be procured like that. And we do know that, you know, we actively look to see what information is out there on UCC staff and UCC mm. students. And we actually address our uh, cybersecurity stance then uh, based on uh, that okay. information. Okay. And that all is probably part of your planning that you spoke about there earlier. And also in that planning and what we're going to do and what we're going to implement, you and your IT security team, you're constantly talking and liaising with other universities in Ireland and are you in Europe and beyond, are you? And does that kind of help as a collective in higher education to kind of you know, protect us against yeah. cybercrime. You're right. A, a collaboration with the other higher education mm. institutes in Ireland is uh, like 
it, it, it's essential really and we all see the same type of attacks and we need to be communicating more with each other to say, mm. you know, if if I see something unusual here over a weekend or on a Friday evening, that I make sure that the other security officers in the universities across Ireland, mm. that they know that that is happening. And we've a, we've a really good sharing communication network there where and we're lucky that when events have happened in other universities, that that sharing network has been really useful for us to ensure that like you know we can properly assess our own environment and and we we obviously reciprocate that as well like you can learn from each other's mistakes as well Mm. essentially like if there's something if a place is hit particularly hard why you know what was or wasn't in place that caused it to happen in such a way um, and if it happened to us in the same way, would would it have the same impact? And it won't necessarily have the same impact because our infrastructures are going to be different. But you can kind of mm. almost role play what might happen based on what happened elsewhere. So if there's sharing happening, there's learning happening. Mm. And then hopefully we can help kind of better defend ourselves, but help them better defend themselves. You're right. And I suppose that's really the trick, Nolet, is, you know, learn from other people's mistakes. Like it's important yeah. to learn from our own yeah. mistakes, and uh, it's like try not to make the mistakes or have yeah. someone yeah, else make the mistake first. Yeah, <laughs> they happen. They happen. Yeah. Well, but that's yeah. it. I, I, and look, we, we know that when there has been an event here, that we've actually been really good at addressing it and going back and seeing where the gaps were, and filling in those gaps. But it's just so much easier when mm-hmm. it's it, now, and I have the utmost sympathy for like other organisations. Mm-hmm. But we we've seen it in the UK where there's been significant ransomware events against um, uh, universities there, and we've looked at what services have remained available to students and staff, and we've used that as analysis on, with ourselves to build uh, realistic scenarios to say, mm-hmm. would UCC be better in this uh, scenario? Would we be worse? Would we be the same? And why? And we look then to say, like, as I said about the arms race there, when we look at risk in the university, risk is a simple matrix of the likelihood of something happening versus the impact. And there's an arms race going on with uh, cyber uh, criminals and uh, malicious actors. So the likelihood rarely changes. We make great steps forward and then they catch up or they're ahead and we catch up. Mm. So it, 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 there's a tit for tat there. So really what we need to do is look at impact. And actually mm. that's the needle that we can move and we want to say, okay, if something happens, can the core... Uh, operations of the can lectures continue can students get into canvas can they get to their email can staff get to email Mm. do we have a communications channel to keep staff and students updated exactly Mm. you know what what is or isn't available and the more we can keep up Mm. the the less the impact the more we can continue as normal like like it services could be firefighting like crazy in the background and ideally people wouldn't have to know yeah Yeah, unless there was a gdpr breach at which point we'd have to tell people yeah (laughs) anyway we'll move on from that there quickly Uh, it's lessening the impact you know should should a, a thing happen that we're prepared and that while there'll be impacts, it's it's reducing the level of that impact on yeah, staff like and ideally, students. Ideally, you'd have classes continuing. Like yeah. you'd, you'd have, you know, the business of the university being education, yeah. that at the yeah. very least that's able yeah. to continue. And, and that really is, that's that's the goal, is that mm. like, you know, is um, uh, 
financial services still happening so like uh, payroll and the ability mm. to pay like uh, suppliers but really it's the students and mm. teaching can teaching still happen and really I think from the from the outside the reputation of the university uh, if we're seen to be there delivering uh, uh, teaching to students mm. then really the impact uh, uh, you know to the university how it looks optically is like it's oh, minimized you know mm. it's minimized and I do think that in the background I think you're right we will be like you know uh, panicking in the background but mm. I think that that's you know it's important that that happens in, in the, the background, background. <laughs> in the background yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah but yeah. I think people who are listening um should take comfort in that as well that you know we're not just constantly which is a big part of the team in IT security kind of catching things and capturing things before they get us, but that you're actually proactively proactively planning and looking at the risks and the priorities are there, which is good to hear that it's like, it's keeping the show on the road. Yeah, I'm just going to jump in there with a quick uh, question on, on that, Barry, as well. Like, um, like, there is a lot to be said as well for that people can kind of pivot to teach offline if they need to, because as you say, if there is that kind of is this controversial? We can edit this. <laughs> is, like, is it controversial to say like that? You know, if if in a kind of a worst case scenario that you know systems are unavailable, that you know, like if if the institution is still able to keep going in some kind of capacity, even if it's in in person classes, that that kind of reduces the impact and there therefore the cost of the university. Or is that kind of a controversial way of thinking about it? it? It's. I don't think that's controversial. I think is that like right now in this moment, classroom teaching, well, okay, it's nearly exam time, but generally this year, classroom teaching was happening. But there's still a dependency on Canvas and my student mm. admin and my timetable and all of these things, even when you're in person. You know, you still need to have your notes. You still need to be able to access any other additional resources your lectures have made available. So even if they're in the classroom, like, is the printer working? Can the can the lecturer print, um, mm. you know, 80 copies of the notes to give to the students? That there is so many digital you know, dependencies yeah, it, to, it's not, to teach. Um, and even if they're physically coming in and that could continue, can they access their notes to be able to partake fully in class? And again, like we're Green Campus Sustainable. We don't want 80 students or 26,000 students printing off their notes for a day no. uh, if they can access them digitally. You but know, it, so it's... Yeah, I, I, like I do think... In business continuity planning, they, they, you know that has to be there as a, as an option. On that, you know, a, at what stage do we do that? And you know, they, that is a decision. For, you know, it's obviously not an IT decision, uh, but we're lucky that we have really good interactions with the other areas of the university, and you know that there's great guidance there. Uh, for emergency uh, planning and emergency management, it's it's a part, it's a cog, an important an important cog, in all of that. But uh, I think w what we strive to do is uh, it, to provide a business continuity model to the university that really looks as close to business as usual as possible. Mm. That, that, so that's a that's a on premise uh, uh, teaching. Uh, uh, systems, uh, uh, essential systems. So that's virtual learning environment, 
uh, Payroll. uh, email payrolls. Yeah, yeah, the important ones. <laughs> really it. important. Uh, but but, but it, it is we, we and we have these listed. We we yeah, have them yeah. listed out and 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 really like when you look at uh, uh, when you look at an organization as a whole. Like I think you're right. Like you know payroll. You need to be able to pay your staff mm-hmm. and you need to be able to deliver your core service. And you know that's what we that what that's what we plan for and it's the mm-hmm. scenarios that mm-hmm. we uh, plan for. Sometimes like the disruption of everything is the plan like they for some actors it's not that they even want money it's that they want the the kudos like peter was saying they want the kudos of you know we hacked into a government institution because as a public sector body we are partly funded by the government and that's what's going to motivate some people it's just the kudos of i did Mm. this thing um and like i say business as usual for the university isn't isn't just teaching like those Mm. teachers get paid um, you know, we have a lot of students who work for the university. They need to get paid. It's all a collective. Like the whole place is so connected and everything is like there is a huge portion of it is digital. And that's how it is and how it will be. It's just kind of one thing that amuses me, not amuses me, but like with cybercrime, I just seem to remember getting a lot more kind of emails from princes offering me loads of money. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's like the things seem to have evolved a lot yeah yeah. less of it's less come fun. to my country and you know yeah. we live a good life yeah it, it seems less fun than it was yeah. back in the day yeah yeah true true um, and I spoke or I mentioned it earlier about the IT security team because it's not just you Barry there, there's a team there kind of what would be daily things that you and your team would be kind of you know Looking at looking at yes yeah so uh, like on a daily basis there are literally hundreds of thousands of attacks against the university's accounts and that's just looking at just our you know at ucc.ie accounts uh, when we look at uh, attacks against uh, the servers and the network environment you know you're then up into uh, I think last month it was we're looking at you know, north of 160 million events. So uh, we, it, 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 it's, at a, it's at a level where really it, it's, it's not enough that you just have human eyes on these things. Mm. We're, we're really reliant more and more on artificial intelligence or machine learning to actually surface alerts uh, for us and actually to give us uh, uh, those things that still rely on, like, you know, human eyes to make sense of the picture that it builds up. So, yeah. um so yeah, so uh, Katie and Ruth and myself, that we all look at those type of alerts on a daily basis. Uh, we also have uh, partners in private industry who look at these things at the weekend and out of hours for us as well. Yeah. Uh, and and then within IT services, uh, cyber security and IT security is it, it's a component of. You know, like nearly everyone's delivery job. Yeah, and yeah. everything as well. Yeah. So, so like, there's a lot of people where it's the it's probably the primary part of their job. Platform delivery or infrastructure mm-hmm. team, mm-hmm. everything that they do, like you know, has a has a large cyber element uh, uh, to mm. it uh, with people then uh, you know with web technologies again, like you know, yeah. because our web technologies, a lot of them are. Uh, accessible from the internet it's just it's one of our attack surfaces mm. so mm. You, yeah. you know and we've like the, talked about that like the it. public website is fairly high up on UCC's risk register as as a thing it is that number what was it again a million and what 160 <laughs> 160 million was it uh, God. so that's uh, and uh, and was that daily did you think no, no. sorry sorry so that's uh, that was that, monthly that's a network mon- monthly uh, oh figure. just month. monthly <laughs> okay look that's fine it's a little bit less terrifying but that's that's a 
big number. The figure, the other figure then, the 200,000 attacks against accounts, that's mm. it. That's only looking at a very narrow type of attack as well. Um, so what you're saying is that's an underestimation. It, it definitely is. And if we look at the best way of looking at it or describing what has happened there is if we look at that attack pattern from a year ago, it was more like 10,000 a day. And now we're at 200,000 a day. And wow. so, so you we're seeing we're seeing step changes in the level of attack that we're mm. seeing, and um, and really, you is know, is there anything that can be attributed to that? Is that just the nature of cyber crime that it is literally something that is escalating at an exponential rate, or is it like a direct response to the state of the world, say the war in the Ukraine, or like is is there are there factors that contribute, or is it just well, it's definitely something we see geopolitical events can actually, they're always reflected in the attack patterns that we uh, that we see. So like, and we've seen that all the way back to um, an Iraqi general who was uh, killed in Iran in, uh, I think, 2018. Uh, after that attack, we saw a spike in attacks against uh, UCC accounts, and it's directly attributed to that because it was Iran who actually launched the attack. But they weren't just targeting, obviously, the university. They weren't mm. going, oh, UCC. Yeah, they were targeting you know? the country. <laughs> they, 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 they're, they're targeting, so the entire EU, uh, but also Microsoft te uh, uh, technologies. And I think now, Nolet, what we're seeing is the big focus at the moment uh, uh, is the three R's. So that's ransomware, resilience and Russia. And uh, and definitely Russia as a, as an actor in uh, cyber uh, warfare uh, their impact can't be, you know, underrated. But we do have, you know, there there are other actors there. But normally, most of the other actors just kind of follow their population trends. So we see a lot from from China and from India and from Brazil. So like, you know, if you have more than two hundred million people, you're going to have the a larger lot of percentage nodes. of them are going to be, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, makes, but but Russia sense. is definitely a, you know, it's an outsized actor, and we, we, we're. While we didn't see it last year, uh, it, it was expected last year uh, at the outset of uh, of uh, the war. It definitely has been that cyber mm. risk is being realised mm. now, uh, and and you know yeah, nearly all the attacks we can see are attributed to uh, to yeah, Russia. I saw a headline on the BBC yesterday, and it was some minister kind of saying that um, the basically like threats to cause havoc across the digital everything um, mm. coming from Russia. And I was just like, oh, yay. Yeah. <laughs> good news again. I, I, More good news. <laughs> you're, and the big warning there from from them is uh, is that they'll go after national critical infrastructure. Mm. Yeah. So they'll go after water, electric, uh, gas, uh, and that that is the uh, the next step. The, the attack here uh, against uh, the HSE, uh, you know, was also mm. attributed to an actor that definitely has links uh, to the Kremlin. Uh, at least sanctioned, if not directly, yeah. you know, uh, uh, managed yeah. over there. It, it just seems crazy. Like Ireland is such a small place that they'd even bother with us. I know, you know I know. Surely there's better people <laughs> to yeah. go after. And I, I have a question I did want to ask, kind of, you know, cybercrime. Is it a new thing? And we're talking about Russia and, you know, it's those three oars and it's Russia. Like, are there cyber criminals who are Irish and living in Ireland and... and enabling kind of the powers that are, you know, in Russia or whatever to... There to, is definitely cyber criminals in uh, Ireland. Yeah. And, who, and maybe that's kind of, of course there is, Deirdre, <laughs> but like, you know, I guess it kind of, because we hear so much about it, I wonder how how new is it and 
When we look at malicious actor groups uh, across the globe and where they're attributed uh, to, uh, some of them like are, are tight knit groups and they're you know they they're well controlled. Some of them are just operated like businesses where mm. they will look for good talent and like you can work remotely and they actually there'll be promotion schemes and like you know yeah. and if you extort a certain amount of people you'll get like you know employee of the month and we know that those like you know yeah. organizations exist uh, and we we also know that. Irish individuals have been arrested as part of like you know criminal gangs yeah. like you know and uh, and then for serious uh, you know cyber crime um, around uh, child exploitation images that you know mm. that has happened uh, within the state there's been uh, uh, people who have uh, uh, brought into justice in other jurisdictions who've been Irish so yeah. it, it it is something it, it's something that's uh, that's evolved uh, you wouldn't say that there's you know. A, a large community in Ireland. It's definitely more uh, attributable to other countries, okay. uh, not naming names. Yeah. That's <laughs> fine. Yeah, I kind of think... Um, and I only gave examples of places. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it, it, with any crime, like with anything, I think in terms of like, is cybercrime new, in my head, I think probably within a month of the World Wide Web launching, there was criminal activity being, you know, run through it, on it, by it, Um it's it's what humans seem to do, mm. if, and that's how it's like how it became successful, you know. Yeah. Like it's it's how it became ubiquitous. Yeah, it, you're crime, right. Knowledge. Crime yeah. makes money, yeah. and money builds things yeah. as people well. Will, like with any new technology, people see opportunity and they see uh, and there's threat. Yeah. and some yeah. of the the opportunity from the threat actors is you know the threat that the rest of us see, yeah. and yeah. I think the best story of that is. You know, a lot of academics see the first cybercrime as being uh, against the French telegraph system in 1834, where uh, two brothers intercepted uh, telegraph messages using a telescope. Okay. And there was an escape character to delete the final uh, line, and it was included at the final uh, 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 telegraph uh, point. And so the end, when it got to Bordeaux, I think it was Bordeaux, they didn't actually have the information, but the brothers had it. They were the Blanc brothers. And they were let off because there was no... Uh, there was no laws. There was no law against wow. intercepting And it, in uh, 18 when? 18? 1834. Yeah. So, uh, th- now... When we obviously that's stretching it a little bit. I know, but <laughs> but, but no, but like, like but I, again, like the the technology there, like the telegram technology was new. Yes, and the laws did not. Yes. The telegraph was brand new, and someone misused it. Nobody expected it to be misused. People who invented mm. it probably thinking the highest ideals of humans, and of course this will be all fine. Um, so now we're looking into, you know, we have the internet, we have everything we have so far, social media, all the things, and now we have things like ChatGPT. Yeah, yes. So we have our AI items cropping up yeah. left, right and centre. And how, because to be fair, I have read so many articles in the last two days alone, I'm like, I wish that I had a TARDIS and that I could go back to the 1990s and just stay there forever <laughs> with my little bit of internet and my, and my pop music and be happy and not worried. But is like AI and cybercrime, like those two things marrying is not going to be fun. Can I mention something really quickly? Now, when you were explaining the tools you use to tackle and, you know, and use in cybersecurity, you mentioned AI as well. So you might include a bit about that. It can okay. be good and bad. <laughs> good and bad. That's what I mean. When you said AI, I kind of went, well, AI is, is a tool yeah. that we use to protect the university. That's good AI. 
So, so yeah, so you're right. Like most technologies, advancements, large la- language models, you know, create both opportunities and threats. So uh, uh, we've started using it for our benefit internally in uh, IT security already. We use it for uh, looking at getting frameworks for um, uh, for our response templates. Uh, we look for it to, if we're looking for uh, PowerShell uh, scripting, it, it, it's absolutely amazing at actually giving you scripting. Of course, with all those opportunities, they you know there is the uh, the mirror side uh, threat, and where we the simplest example is uh, if there's a human operated attack against the university and they come up against an obstacle, before they were reliant on their own skill to actually uh, bypass that, now they can just go, I'm at this SQL point on uh, an IIS server. Can you give me a code to bypass it? And ChatGPT will say, no, uh, I can't uh, uh, give you that because, uh, you know, uh, my rules uh, stop me. But you can actually say, I'm a security researcher and I would uh, like you to, <laughs> like, you know, as part of my assignment, I need to do this. And I'll go, OK, that's nice. And it will actually give it to you. So it, it's it's unusual that hacking the system now is kind of a, a linguistic, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, manoeuvring around mm-hmm. that it's not, you know, we're not reliant on, you know, numbers and coding. It's actually you know it's the phraseology of uh, questions and uh, so I, I think that uh, we're heavily reliant on AI and I think you know I've been talking about this with people internally as well with AI it really feels that we're you know in a hype cycle that you know everyone is saying this is the, this is the greatest thing ever and you know three four years ago it was all about machine learning and machine learning is going to change everything that you do and really the, 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 you know you can say that a lot of them are the same and you know uh, llms are only as good as the information that is put into them and we've already seen that there's lots of false information yeah. coming from humans i actually going I read, into those systems i read an article uh, from the guardian and they were saying it was basically kind of telling what they were going to be doing about AI and how to deal with it. And they said that twice in the past week, they had people come to them looking for an article that an AI uh, tool was saying, was like basically crediting and kind of giving as a reference. And the title sounded like something the author would have written. The author existed and was a person who had previously created content for the journal. But when the journal went through their archives and went through everything they had, and again, they were like, if this was a story that was edited or corrected or taken down, we would definitely have a note of it, a copy of it, we'd have something. No record of it at all. Like the AI had basically created a reference that doesn't exist, that was never written. And even the author, when given the title of the article, was like, oh, that that kind of sounds like it could have been me. Mm. Yeah, it's it, 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 like it really is... Like it's going to be a fascinating area, like not just in IT security, definitely in academia. Like you know, there there yeah. there, there are obvious challenges there uh, around uh, how things are going to be referenced, uh, um, uh, plagiarism of an AI, um, and uh, in IT we definitely have a role in what we can actually offer. Uh, uh, the university as a whole mm. in, in in addressing those concerns. So we do we do know that there's there's better tools coming there to actually identify mm. these things. But I I do think it's it, there's a potential for it to be 
disruptive in a manner that the university will have to change how um uh, but but I, I i like that you know there are some teachers uh, out there or lecturers who said you know the same thing has been said about calculators mm-hmm. that you know it yeah. would make us all stupid yeah and, but, and to be fair here's yeah. the thing though google has made me less smart <laughs> i don't remember things i used to remember things myself now i have to research them like i have well, to I, I i've known you nearly 10 years now yeah, you're 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 smart. <laughs> I can't see any reduction in. Yeah, I, I was. I definitely felt smarter before. Yeah. One yeah. of the things with AI is we're going to be using AI to identify AI. You know, like so, so mm. a plagiarism a plagiarism detection tool is going to use artificial intelligence to detect artificial intelligence. Yeah. yeah. Um, and actually, just on the plagiarism thing, um, worth noting for any students out there, the plagiarism policy has been updated to include work generated by AI as being plagiarised. So just okay. FYI. Okay. And that, that's available. <laughs> that is. It's on um, the website. I think if you yeah. Google plagiarism UCC, you'll, you'll find the PDF. Yeah. yeah. I, and I do think that, that you know, there's, uh, there's lecturers out there who are doing interesting things like um, uh, asking their students to ask, uh, uh, you know, uh, ChatGPT, a question mm-hmm. and then critique it. Yeah, uh, um, you yeah. know, and uh, use it as a learning tool. Yeah, yeah, and I think that you know it, it, it's interesting to actually build it into our teaching environment mm. and to use it more. Like you know, we, as I was saying, in, in like the security team have been using ChatGPT a lot this year mm. to actually just get us that starting point of yeah. like you know writing yeah. content. And it's saving us so much time. Yeah. It actually, it, it is, it's a time-saving tool that is not replacing what a human can do. Like, yeah. we'll yeah. see what it can do in the future, yeah. you, but you, not yet. You still need that human expertise while your team and you are using it. You, you know what you want from it. It might kind of give it to you, but if it's giving you the wrong thing, you can recognise that. So people still need mm. the expertise to use yes. it yeah. effectively. Like particularly, like you mentioned PowerShell. You know, if you're getting a script to, you know, a set of instructions, set of code to do a job, you still need to be able to go through that code and go, yes, this is actually what it's doing. And it's not trying to do something underhanded at the same time. Mm. Um, I think one of the other things with AI, though, is I suppose you were saying it's it's a large language model, the chat GPT, and it's everything on the Internet up until 2021 that it's kind of learned from. So you have to kind of watch out for the questions you're asking it. It could have and will have inherent bias. Uh, There will be misinformation because not everything on the internet is true. And the other thing is, if you are playing around with ChatGPT, do not give it personal information. Don't be teaching it about you. Give it nice, vague questions and see what interesting responses it gives Mm. you. But don't be putting in... um, your mother's maiden name and your date Another, you know, your PPS number, for <laughs> your example. <first> pet. <laughs> <laughs> the street you lived on. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing uh, uh, was um, there's other um, AIs coming out, like Google of Bard coming out now. And then I think Elon Musk thinks ChatGBT is too, inverted commas, uh, politically Freak. correct. So he's going to come out with his own truth uh, oh, chatbot. I wouldn't doubt him. And then there was like, there was that image, um, the photographer as well, who had an AI oh, generated yeah, yeah, yeah. image who won, won. Yeah. who won the um, 
He didn't the, accept the award though. Oh, the, yeah. the contest, but I think like it's probably when all these things start kind of linking up together, maybe it'll get a bit more worrying kind of it, down the line. What, 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 what yeah, I, like I, I think when you see the capabilities of ChatGPT4 and like, you know, uh, uh, bringing in video, so the, you know, kind of video the images. Deep fake videos terrifying. Deep fake mm. videos uh, are, they're extremely worrying and actually their ability to, uh, to move news cycles, mm. you know, uh, the potential there, like, it, it, is a big worry. W- like, at the moment, for the most part, if you see a recording of something, you can kind of say, yeah, that happened. It's going to be a case of even with video evidence that you're not going to be able to say categorically whether a thing happened or not. Where literally, I feel, in a sense, you're going to have to go back to tape and have tape video of yeah. it because you can see if it's been spliced. You can physically see it. And if you digitize it, you'll be able to tell that it was digitized. Like mm. it's we are going to have to go a little bit analog on some things mm. just to be able to say with 100 percent certainty that that is the thing. Yeah. Um, yes. Hand, handwritten yeah. exams are back, everyone. Yay. <laughs> well, they never really like, they didn't they didn't do, they didn't leave. Joking. <laughs> but they didn't they didn't leave kind entirely. <laughs> they didn't leave entirely. And it's like yeah. well, the thing is, like, it has to be a measured response because you're going to have people say who are registered with DSS who need to have the typewriter who need to be typing on the keyboard, they can't be, you know, made mm. um, write their, their three-hour essay now because, um, you know, technology has... can't be sure. Like, we have to find other methods. We're not going to throw out the baby with the bat water. But for certain things, um, you will, like, there will need to be quadruple checks. Like, you know, how easy will it be to dupe CNN and the... It's like it's very serious and we can laugh about it because some some aspects of it will be hilarious like the Pope in the jacket that was like I didn't yeah. even blink I was like yeah okay cool <laughs> nice jacket, <laughs> nice jacket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I went on with my day like I did not I did not pause but I didn't pause for one second nothing in my brain said no let that is not real, yeah. you know. So we will have to be way more mm. um, clued in and we're more, way more sceptical. I thought I was sceptical as it was. <laughs> I'm going to be on. I'm going to be intolerable, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but I suppose maybe to kind of finish on a more hopeful kind of thing or a more fun thing. Um, given, I think if I was IT security officer, I would not sleep. I think <laughs> I would be uh, wide awake. How one do you cope with the stress, and two, how do you what do you do just for like fun and Kind of chillaxing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I don't really have uh, trouble sleeping. Yeah, yeah. So, which is good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, that is great uh, to hear. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well done, you. <laughs> yeah, and not to say that the risk of attack isn't real and out there. Like, uh, you know, it, it, it is, and we, it, like, it, it's something that I think uh, you have to accept that, like, you know, it, like, it, it, it's a real risk. Mm. Um, uh, uh, but you know. I think we feel that, like, you know, myself, the security team, and, like, really, uh, like, so lucky to have so many great colleagues all across IT services yeah. are doing great things. Uh, We're awesome. We are. Now, uh, I'm modest. <laughs> <laughs> there's also, so I, I, I think uh, there's a lot of really good work, and then there's always a bit of luck. And really, yeah, the, the goal I, is that that slice of luck in the pie chart of, being excellent and look, we want that to be as small as possible. Yeah, yeah. But like you know, it's a little sliver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like we're pushing that so that like you know, it's um, it, 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 you know, it's it, it's smaller and smaller. We don't want to be, you don't want to be reliant on it mm-hmm. because yeah. over time, 
yeah. you know, you will yeah. be uh, yeah. uh, caught out. Yeah. But we, we we know we're doing good work. We're on the right path in a lot of areas. Uh, yeah. uh, so in IT services, our colleagues in IT across the university as well. Yeah. Um, and then like, you know, it's great work being done in the, you know, in the registrar's office with our student systems and, you know, like in, in, in all of uh, the finance offices. Uh, so like we're, we're looking that across the university, like, you know, that, that you know, yeah. great work has been, uh, is being done. When when I leave, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not always uh, uh, thinking, I, I yeah. do get the occasional phone call late <laughs> yeah. at night. Occasional, or, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, over the weekend, you. but yeah. like you know, uh, yeah. luckily, actually, those have even lessened. Yeah, uh, touch so, yeah, yeah. yeah touch wood. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm glad that you sleep well at night because sleep is important for alertness and being on the ball. <laughs> yeah. So it's good to know you're sleeping and that that alertness is <laughs> is, is being minded. Um, and actually, before we finish up, I think it might be useful if you could share maybe three things, two or three things. Tips for people, and again, this is staff, students, or anyone who's listening on, you know, just yeah. staying I, safe online. I, I think it's, you know, it's funny when we've talked about, you know, all the things that have changed and the evolution of, uh, you know, cyber crime and cyber criminals and the rise of AI and, you know, before that, like, you know, all the things about machine learning and how it's going to change everything. The take-home messages are still the same. You know, it's amazing since since the advent of modern kind of cyber crime, you know, in, in the 90s uh, and into the 2000s. It's always the same. Don't click on uh, links uh, in emails, especially from people you don't know. Mm. And that kind of extends now to WhatsApp, to mm. definitely to text messaging. Yep. I've started getting it from eFlow and from Unpost. Yes. Like, yes. you know, so, eFlow and Unpost are yeah, big ones. Yeah, so, like, so, so, so I think it extends outside of, you know, our entire digital lives, not just, you know, what we're doing in the university. Our responsibility is data, you know, controllers and, uh, you know, um, uh, and, uh, and data owners here that we you know that we don't set, uh, we don't send personal information over email email should not be used for mm. personal information yeah. emails it's, were described to me years ago as postcards yes so yeah. the way your postman could read yeah, exactly. the back of a postcard that is you know generally yeah. speaking how emails are flying through the that's internet that's a great description yeah. just to, yeah. and to think about as well and it, it's, yeah. a, it, it's a, for some for some people in the university it, it's a very difficult one because yeah. like uh, they don't know of um, an equivalent tool or like you know what's available so or they're not mm. used to sharing things yeah. with one from OneDrive or putting it in exactly. a team exactly so yeah. it's just they haven't had yeah. the, the time to, to play and, with and the big thing tools. there like sending links uh, uh, to a OneDrive file means that if you make a mistake you can change the link you, yeah. you know you, you you have mediated the risk yeah. if you send an email to the wrong person and most of our data breaches are emails just sent yeah. to the wrong person yeah, yeah. or and, the wrong attachment or the wrong attachment yeah. and once that's gone that's mm. gone that's like, you know yeah. it's like yeah. say in IT services so I'm no let there's also a Noel and you know we <laughs> yeah, all yeah. have we all have departments where there might be one or two of a same or similar name and if yeah. you're emailing these people regularly, it's very easy to have oh. the wrong uh, email address go into a, into yeah. a message. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I know, and they, there's multiple barriers. And, so, and there's two Deirdre's uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Deirdre Keith and Deirdre O'Keefe, yeah. you know. So yeah, Anybody thinking about working in IT services, check and see if there's somebody already there with your name yeah. because that's yeah. step yeah. one. Yeah, we there could go through chance. all the name similarities, but <laughs> another episode. Oh, it would take an episode in terms of tips. Don't use the same password for all of the things. You're right. That was the last one. No, that, that's the, yeah. the, so, and that's become more and more difficult. But you're dead right. I think the average 
password count in 2016, or sorry, 2006, was um, six passwords. And now it's 30, it's 28 or 30. And you need a password manager. You mm, cannot yeah. keep all those in your head. And if you do, it means that you're reusing your passwords. And that is the biggest risk. The, the biggest risk to you is reusing your password across accounts mm. and not having having. MFA turned on. Yeah. If you're using the same password and they get that password, they have your email, they have your Spotify, they have your Facebook, they can mm. get in maybe to your electricity bill. I mean, if they have your electricity bill, they can get a loan in your name in some instances. So it's really, it is really important and it's yeah. super frustrating. And if you don't want to have a password manager because maybe you're a bit paranoid and you think that's a single point of failure possibly, writing them down in a notebook is... It's the alternative because long ago, the worry was they'll break into my house and steal my laptop and steal my passwords. They're not breaking into your house anymore. They're going straight for your account online. Mm. If the password is written down in a book, in a drawer, in your house. Don't don't tell anyone it's written down in a, but like, <laughs> in a drawer <laughs> in your house. I would well. sooner people did that than oh, reuse yeah. the same password across all their accounts. Yep. Now, that's different to using your same identity. Mm. So some services you can log in with your Gmail account, with your Microsoft account. That's yep. different because then you have MFA on that account. So you have yep. the extra security. But if you're setting up a standalone username and password for something, that password needs to be unique. And I know it's horrible and I know it's hard, but... You have to do it that way. Um, Use a password manager. Yeah, we'll just go back to point what? A. Okay. Use a password manager. Just because I'm funny with password manager, let pe tell people what a password manager is and what ones would we as IT security officer uh, uh, suggest. I think the best password manager is uh, allowing Chrome uh, to save uh, uh, your to passwords. Save your passwords. Uh, okay. Or if you're using uh, an Apple device, allow Apple to save your passwords. Okay. And, and then, like with Apple, it uploads it to the cloud. It does really good security around your Apple account. It is important then, whatever account you're using on Chrome needs to have multi-factor authentication, needs yeah. to have a secure password. Yeah. You're right, it's a single point of failure, but really... You, it's you, the lowest risk that you're going to have. Yeah, Otherwise you're going you're to using... have to do something or else you're reusing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and that's it. And we don't yeah. want people reusing their passwords yeah. because that, that, like, if they get it once, they have everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's really good to know that saving it on, say, my phone out through Apple, that that's a good way to manage my passwords. Again, when I hear password ma manager, I think, oh, I must go to a place and I have to do download an app something and, new. Do, 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 and enter all the... Do you know? Yeah. 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 And there is uh, some guidelines on that on the IT security website. Yeah. Uh, if any staff or students yeah. want to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that can be accessed. It's, it's a SharePoint site, isn't it, Barry? And it can be accessed through our website. There's a link on the IT. So yeah. if you yeah. go to so. it.ucc.ie, there'll be a link to IT yeah, security yeah. on there. And That's again, all those tips on, you know, working and um, working and teaching safely online are on that SharePoint site and details about training for staff as well. So, yeah, we constantly yeah. Uh, have training. Uh, so by the time this goes live, we'll have uh, the next three months of uh, training uh, up uh, up live online Brilliant. so yeah. Uh, and yeah we'd encourage uh, everyone to uh, attend one of those sessions and the, for staff now it's uh, mandatory the IT security training a uh, decision has been made that it will be you know mandatory training and there will be a communication yeah. coming in the next yeah. uh, few yeah. weeks and, and we like that. Barry I work with yourself a good bit and, and your team on communicating IT security things whether that's through the newsletter um, for staff we'll be sharing out more information through uh, the WorkVivo platform and for students we share out content on the Instagram account as well so so, you know, we'll continue to push out the messaging Great. on yeah. all those channels yeah. as well. So, yeah.
Yeah. Yeah. So we're fantastic at getting our podcast uh, to 30 minutes. Uh, Owen is going to be delighted with us. Sorry, Owen. I know. Um, so yeah, so look, you'll be able to find us on um, the UCC 98.3 FM. And we will be on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thank you, Barry. Thank you. Cheers, Bye. thank you. Bye. If you're looking for the podcast, you can find us on UCC's 98.3 FM and on the social medias. So on Instagram, uccstudent.it and on Twitter, UCC IT services. And you can check out the IT Bytes podcast wherever you get your podcasts.